Welcome to Flyover Conservative Podcast with David and Stacy Whited, where we break down current events and examine culture through the lens of conservative Christian values. You know, in life, you got a couple different groups of people. You got people that uh, do and people that don't do. True. You got people that kind of sit and think about things. You got people that get out and get it done. Mm-hmm. You got people that are that are fake and faux, and they maybe take a, a a picture of something on Instagram and look. They got people who don't even have time for that because they're busy actually doing the real thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have just such a person here with us today, one of our favorite guests, one I always learn a ton from every yes. time he's on the Flyover Conservative podcast, all the way from Africa, Bidar Lagarde. Yay! Look at you. Now, Welcome. You're, you're, I love you're, your outfit. Wait, you're, you're, you're via Scandinavia, Tulsa, Oklahoma, in Africa for years now, and, but you've never... You've never been on with with that shirt. This is the first time. Yeah, this is this is typical East African. I mean, I got Viking helmet. I got this shirt. So it just depends on the day what kind of hat we put on. But uh, <laughs> it, it, it's East Africa today. <laughs> do you have a cowboy hat from when you used to live in in Oklahoma? Or what, what do you what do you have that represents Oklahoma? Well, that, that that that's a good question. A good you could just you could just mess your hair up and it looks like the wind hit it. And you're like, oh, that's authentic Oklahoma right there. Right. <laughs> Tornado Alley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, hey, well, thanks for joining us again today. We always learn a ton. You've 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 dedicated your life really to to first of all humbly being a student and learning from God's word, the book of Proverbs, life, you know, and, and then Taking those things and then just pouring it, pouring them into the world and kind of following, you know, where God's led you. So I know every conversation we have, we always learn so much because you always have a little different perspective on things, and it's always based on kingdom principles. And whenever we talk about something that's kind of confusing and complex, and how's this? You're like, it's not that complex at all. It's like this, and you're mm-hmm. like, oh, so I, true. I love it. You know, life gets a whole lot better, a whole lot easier when you learn that it's more blessed to to give than to receive. So I just I just discovered that truth, and uh, let's get after it. Just help people. I love it. I love it. You know, we have a situation going on here in the United States, and I'm sure the Flyover family, you've heard it, but Dave and I were actually interviewed today on OAN, and one of the topics that we were talking about was um, a January 6th guy, Nathan Hughes. Uh, the FBI came to his house. Um, they arrested him, they took him in, and then they went back to his house and they started searching his home and they, he had a safe there and the safe was locked. And so they got a hold of the manufacturer Liberty safe and, uh, they sent the warrant and say, we have a warrant to get into the safe. We want the master number and Liberty safe turned over the master number, uh, to the FBI and they, they went through, uh, the safe. And so, there's obviously a lot of pushback from conservatives saying, you know, why would this number be given to the FBI? Liberty is coming back with that's our policy. They are looking to change the policy in the future, which is pretty cool because, you know, we've been talking, you know, with Bud Light, with Target, you know, a lot of conservatives started boycotting, started pushing back. And uh, and so Liberty got nervous and they're like, hey, we'll change the policy in the future. If you want to have that number scrubbed and we don't have that number, then we won't have anything on file. It's just if you can't get into your safe because you've lost your combination, we can't help you. And so there's some cool things that are coming from that. But the thing that we They're, they're scared about, of getting targeted or Bud Lighted or yeah. you know, anything like that. So. The thing that we talked about was let's look, actually look at something higher than that. Let's look at 
the FBI. Why do we have to be so concerned about the FBI and uh, it not being actually a fair policies and fair things that they're doing? Do you want to talk yeah, a little bit about po- that? So I want to pose this question to, to you, Vidar, because you've 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 lived in underneath of the authority of many different governmental structures. And your, your your life's dedicated. You know, if people want to go to safarimission.org, look at look at your, you're you're not a stand on the corner just handing out tracks kind of 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 missionary. You you teach classes and help break generational poverty and pull people up. So anywhere where you have authority, it's used. You use that power, you use the resources, the money, the influence, everything you have to raise people up. And I I I feel like uh Everyone's under some sort of authority. If you're, you know, in a family, you know, there's an authority structure. Um, we're, we're always sort of subject to the restraint or discipline of the authority figure in the next rung up. You know, when we've seen the Harvey Weinstein stuff with people, you know, his authority in the movie industry and abusing it, you know, on those that are weaker than him. Um, in a, in a uh, you know, a stronger person, weaker person relationship physically can beat them up and take their money. You know, if you have a, you know, a power just because you're physically empowering, you can take kids lunch money in middle school. You know, it's like every, every, every authority figure kind of has something. And we're looking at this with the FBI and, and, you know, there's, there's kind of been created a, a, a Gestapo kind of, kind of, they don't work for the people in general. They're sort of, the people should be fearful of an authority figure, but it's not the structure that's bad. It's whoever has their hands on the lever of control. We're sort of, sort of at the mercy of the amount of restraint and character of the person that has power. You know, whether the, you know, Proverbs talks a lot about whether people rejoice or, or sad, it's based on who is in mm-hmm. power and, and, and why. So we, I, I feel like in the United States, there's a lot of, of powerful agencies that have sort of become the marketing arm or the military arm, depending on the case of whoever's in, in power and, and it's, point. and it's increasing there. There's them pulling uh, up to the, this, this guy's house, but we've, it's created a different vibe. It's adversarial between us and uh, the enforcement agencies between this. I'd, I'd like to have you break this down a little bit, just because I respect your insight so much in, in, um, in these matters, because you look through this lens of God's word is clearly and better than anybody I've ever met. Well, there's, I, I think there's a lot of different, a lot of different thoughts here. You know, when, when Peter and John were put before the Sanhedrin or before the court, basically there in Acts chapter four, they, they tell them straight up, you know, you, you choose for yourself, which is better to, to listen to you or to listen to God. Mm. Uh, th- there is that side of things. Um, that is when government is in direct opposition uh, to the things of God. Of course, in Romans 13, you have that, you know, we do have authority over us. So uh, we certainly don't want Somalia, complete anarchy. You know, there needs to be authority uh, at, at all kinds of different levels. Uh, personally, I've always been one that I listen to the higher authority. So if got an, I've got an employer that doesn't pay attention to the Constitution, and as an employee, I'm going to go by the Constitution. That's the higher authority that's above my employer if, if I'm an employee. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are certain instructions that God has given me, and that's the highest authority that there is. I'm going to go by that no matter what anybody says. Now, uh, I personally had grandparents that were under occupation with, you know, evil government back in uh, 1940s, and uh, it was illegal to own a radio. Well, <laughs> you know, our family had the radio on the E-Cube. You know, it's kind of hard to find it if, if you're not prepared to go search the B-Cube and 
a lot of other hiding places I could talk about. Um, so, you know, there, there are situations and cases where you should not be trusting the government. And I, maybe that's where we are in various ones of Western world countries where a large percentage number of population have thought you could trust the government. And maybe we shouldn't fully trust the government. I think it's um, good wisdom to learn how to trust God and, mm. and not allow your life to rely on the government. So look out to be a little bit more self-sufficient. Um, you know, if you're concerned about where you're banking, well, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Um, you know, share it between multiple different banks. So if one closes all your accounts, then the other one probably won't close it all on the same day, you know. Just be a little wise in some different areas like this um, with food supply and different things, you know. Ultimately, there's never any such thing as – there's no such thing as never being under authority, though. I remember, uh, you know, when the the defund the police was such a trendy – you know, thing mm-hmm. to say. And, you know, now we're suffering some of the consequences of that. You know, the crime rates have just gone to the roof in, in, in these really blue cities. And but people it, don't want to be police officers. No, the recruitment's down in almost, I think, 40%, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in, in, in police agencies. So it's like just a, a spiraling thing. But even in Seattle, they created this little, uh, when I say they, I mean, just, just the anarchist, you know, on the streets created this, the city of Chaz. It was like a few block area in downtown Seattle. No police allowed. Well, Within a couple of days, there was still enforcement. People walking around with sticks and taking things, and there was people in the chat there in the chats with guns. And mm-hmm. like, there's never not an authority. You just don't. Have, you, you have an, a rogue authority that takes over, but there's never an authority vacuum. There's always going to be somebody with more power, strength, bigger weapon, bigger stick than somebody else. And so we always we always have those things, you know, in in place. Authority will always be there. Uh, it's good to know who's who um, and, and understanding the hierarchy of, of authority. Uh, when there is rogue authority, uh, oftentimes you can look at what is the level above the rogue authority. Uh, and if that is a proper authority, then, then you follow the level that's above the rogue authority. That's what I've done in my personal life in several, several different cases. Now, you grew up in Norway. You were sharing some stories with us that were interesting that we didn't know. Because, you know, we look at Norway and think, man, okay, I mean, it's pretty put together. Things are, you know, flowing pretty well. But you were talking about 250 years ago, it was truly one of the most dysfunctional places in all the world. In maybe U.S. history. I mean, I'm not in U.S. history, but world history. We've never been to any Scandinavian country, but their marketing is phenomenal. Because for us, it's associated with nothing but success. Yeah. Clean, clean studious, polite, you know, good structure. You know, it's like they just, they do, they do well in, in whatever the task is. And if, when we were in ministry school in, in California, it was like, I don't know, maybe 70 nations were represented in this, in this school. And we did all kinds of projects. We go clean a park and do different outreaches and things. And I, I there's, there's, I don't know, in, in the revival group thing we were in, there was probably four kids that were from Norway. Yeah. And I used to joke like, Hey, I'll take one kid from Norway. You can have 10 of whatever else you want, you know, uh, <laughs> because it was just, we, they worked, we got stuff done. It was this, you know, it was just a, a, they were just great at being, so it's like, I don't know if they just only let the great ones out, you know, and they keep all the, 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 the slackers at home. So it's just good marketing, <laughs> but, but all my interactions have been, have been really, really good. Yeah, um, part of that is, you know, people that migrate from one country to another, that they have usually a um, something within them that just refuses to 
stop at problems. They're just mm. they're overcomers typically. So you see a lot of that with different ones migrating. But but honestly, I mean, the, the nation of Norway was really put in a really good foundation uh, 250 years ago. Um, you've got the Viking era, and, you know, we think that's cute and fun. But, I mean, that was nothing but a bunch of bullies and evil people and raiders and manslayers and, you know, taking people captive and all kinds of stuff. Um, and then about 250 years ago, Norway became the poorest country in in all of Europe at that time. Um, it wasn't even politically independent. Uh, it didn't have any, hardly any institutions. There was no university. There's no functional educational system wow. for children. The concept of money was almost non-existent. It was just a bartering economy. Violent riots were common. And alongside the roads, it was not uncommon to find people that had just simply died from hunger. Wow. Just, just um, now, by law then, it was illegal for commoners to hold a gathering without approval from the government. And even with the approval, a government representative had to be present at the meeting. <laughs> wow. So, and then within the country, you could not travel. Uh, a passport was needed for any in-country travel, and passports were only given to those that could prove that they had a business or government need for a passport. Hmm. And so the masses then were bound to live um, and only move about uh, in their own homestead. That's that's Norway 250 years ago. I mean, Man. It's, wow. it, it, it's so bad, it's really hard to imagine what it was like. And then, of course, on top of all this, you've got, you know, anywhere from an eight to 10 or 11 month long winter, depending on where in the country you're at. So if you didn't do your homework during the summertime and split the wood and all of that and, and, and provide enough food to last you through the winter, then, well, you know, by now those people are gone because they just, just didn't survive. Mm-hmm. Um, so super, super um, rough area. Well, it highlights what is- we were talking about there of, of authority not working for the benefit of its subjects. Mm-hmm. You know, it sounds like it sounds like yeah, there was authority. I, I, if you if you can enforce a don't gather policy, that means you have an organizational structure. That means you have the ability to back up what you say. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it seems like only for the benefit of maybe a a ruler or somebody in charge, but not for the masses in it, any way. It obviously turned Isn't around. That exactly what, what we did during the lockdowns. Yeah, oh, exactly. yeah. I was going to say in the Western world that that sounds yep. I think very appealing to a lot of of, of power hungry people here in the United States right now. So how did it turn right. around, Vidar? What happened in the country that obviously that lots changed in 250 years? Yeah, so, you know, the situation Norway was under is what evil has always tried to do. Whether you're talking about the Tower of Babel or Babylon or, or the Romans, it's always been a small, powerful elite trying to, in an evil way, control the masses. Well, this this preacher came about Um and he walked all over the nation, preached for eight years before they locked him up for preaching without a license. So he had <laughs> only an eight-year-long ministry. Wow. But there was, there was two things in his message. One was turn people's hearts back to God. And we know Proverbs talks about that. that the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Mm-hmm. You, you have to have an ethical or a moral foundation that people live by. Um, you know, we're in the Western world today. I mean, you know, you can you can get the best educated people around and 
can't or won't define gender. Um, a large percentage of the population doesn't know what natural relations are. Uh, I just looked yesterday, um, Harvard University was ranked at the, at the very bottom in free speech. It's supposed to be the best university. Uh, we got 60% living from paycheck, paycheck to paycheck. So, you know, we're, we're headed down some of the same paths. And, and these civilizations, they really have not survived unless you do what, what happened in Norway. You've got to place the people back on a moral, sound foundation. Mm-hmm. We did that in the United States during the first Great Awakening. We did it during the second Great Awakening. Uh, it can be done again. Norway did this uh, 250 years ago. Hans Nielsen Haug is the name. He's known as the most influential person in the history of the nation. Even secular historians will often agree with this. Wow. In eight eight years. years of ministry. <laughs> wow. Most influential person in the history of the nation. Because everywhere he walked, he was able to turn people's hearts back to God. And, and when you have a heart turned back to God, everything doesn't become about me anymore. Things become about my neighbor because you, you you become hungry for showing the love of God, the same love that God has showed me, I want to show my neighbor. Mm-hmm. And so you become interested in building society. You don't just, you know, uh, what can government do for me? What can society do for me? It becomes what can I do for my neighbor? What can I do mm-hmm. for society? And instead of becoming a or staying as a consumer, which is why 60 percent of the nation is living from paycheck to paycheck, because we got a consumer mentality. It's all about, you know, trying to get a bigger house and a bigger car and all of this. And uh, so you got to change that mentality for us to become producer. And the question is not how much can I consume? The question is, what can I do to grow my capacity to produce? Mm. And when you do that, you get out of the rat race. You get out from underneath dependency. Uh, you know, if you're at a $50,000 a year kind of an income level, well, there may or may not be some credit card debt there, but you don't have a lot of leverage and you're very limited in how many people you can actually help at that level because a high percentage of what you earn is probably going to go just for your own personal sustenance. Mm-hmm. Mm. So you have to fight to grow your capacity to produce, to get to a much higher level. And God is very clear about this, that we should be the head and not the tail. Yep. And in the United States today, you know, the median household income is about $60,000 a year. So if you're below that, we're the tail. If we're at 60 or 70 or 80, we're right there in the middle area. So you've got to push yourself to get beyond six digits. Mm-hmm. At, of household. And how do you do that? Well, what's the value of the problems you're solving every day? If, if mm. you're cleaning the floor, there's a certain economic value in that of solving the problem of a dirty floor. Mm-hmm. Well, work on being able to sol- solve higher value problems. You'll have a higher income. And when you learn to live below your means, be frugal with what you have, then you can help more and more Neighbors, you'll be able to employ more and more people. You'll be free of the system. As Robert Kiyosaki says, you'll be out of the rat race. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So good. And if you get a high number of the of the population out of the rat race, their hearts are in tune with God and they're and they want to help one another, then those people don't have to be the majority in the country, but they're going to control the ethics and the moral uh, fabric of that country. And that country is going to grow. 
I wow. love it. It's interesting, you know, in business, we used to say all the time, the person that solves the most problems makes the most money. You know, and we'd say, you know, I eat problems for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You know, you got a problem, give me the problem. Or, you know, even say to people that we worked with, um, you know, they would bring us a problem and we would say, do you want us to make more money or do you want to make more money? Because if we solve this this problem, our money's, our income is going to increase and yours won't. You know, do you want to be the problem solver or do you want us to be the problem solver? And that that is such a great point. And it is, it's critical, you know, and it's where our country is right now. We'd, we'd rather somebody else take care of it than we yeah. actually step in and be like, okay, I'm going to be part of the solution let me make a difference. In We're sitting country. back and think, well, we just need to get Donald Trump back in the White House and our problems are going to go away. Like, we'll, we need a person to save America. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and that, I tell that, you what, we, it's really getting clear. We need problematic to me. It is. We need Americans to get saved. Yes. Versus putting all of our, our effort into America getting saved by a person. Right. It, it, it's still the same mindset of shifting the responsibility of fixing the problem onto somebody else. Mm-hmm. And that's yep. what the problem is. You're, you're wanting somebody else to fix the problem. Well, you know, my own personal circumstances is, is that's not a result of the circumstances. It's a result of my capacity to build stuff around me. And so if I increase my capacity to build stuff around me, my, my, my circumstances are going to change. And I'm sorry, but the power, the government is still not powerful enough to con- completely control my circumstances. Uh, you know, Ooh. I can look myself in the mirror and, and I'm the most powerful person. God working through me. Sure. That, that, that's fine. But still, I have to do something mm-hmm. about that Yep. and grow my capacity. And when I grow my capacity, my yard's going to be greener. It's going to be cleaner. You know, stuff's going to be better around the house and, and the house value is going to increase and the neighbors will see it. And, and, and you'll be an, an, an asset in the neighborhood and you'll be somebody that people look to for answers. Yeah. And that's the way it should be for all believers. Ah, so, so, so I, got, I got to throw this at you real quick because something that that's become a real popular kind of catchphrase, you know, uh, is, is Christian nationalism. And they'll say, well, if you're, if you're bringing these Christian beliefs and you're saying that the, the, the nation all needs to be Christians, then you're no different than some kind of other, you know, dictator. And they kind of will compare that idea to, to, you know, negative, uh, leaders in the past that led socialist movements in, in Europe, for example. Um, what do you have to say when people say, Hey, you need to keep all these Judeo-Christian values out of our schools, out of our government, out of all institutions. They're trying to remove the Bible in every way possible from education, remove the Bible itself from conversation. Uh, and, and, and definitely they don't want anything, uh, with a Judeo-Christian perspective injected into the political realm. Certainly. Um, do you think that a, you, you can, you can pull apart Judeo-Christian values and a thriving nation? Well, can, can they even be, can they be separated? No, the way I look at this is every person in government, they're going to live according to their belief system. So if you can't have people in government with Judea Christian values, then you're going to have people with the absence of values. So if it's, if you can't put people in there that knows the light and knows the truth, then you're going to end up with people that only knows, knows darkness and knows evil. I mean, there's only two choices about this. Um, countries that have been properly built on Judea Christian values. I mean, there's a lot of 
religious kind of things that have been done that are that are not good. But nations that have been built on Judeo-Christian values, they have been built. And where those values have been removed, the places have been destroyed. That's where you, you end up with a case that is like Babylon. Well, you, you end up with the one world government absent of God kind of ideas. Communism is in line with this. Nazism uh, is in line with this. Uh, globalist thinking that we're seeing today is, is in line with the same kind of things. Um, it creates nothing but destruction in the long run. Yes, the Babylonians, they were able to build a society for a short while. The Romans were able to build a society for a short while. But it was the absence of morality that eventually destroyed uh, these yeah. civilizations. Yep. All of them. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And so it's the same here. If you if you remove the truth, if you remove the idea that you shall not kill, you shall not steal, you shall not lie. I mean, these are just basic, basic morality kind of things. And if you remove those things, um, you know, society will collapse. I mean, there's there's mm-hmm. no other way about it. And you, you guys are doing amazing things with Safari Mission, where you actually uh, just had um, an organization go in on a mission trip um, and actually go to a place where they'd never had somebody share the gospel, and 350 people got saved. Talk a little bit about that. I mean, that's absolutely amazing. Yeah, well, actually, the last couple of months, uh, both in July and in August, we had uh, teams. Uh, these are students that we have in Nairobi, Mombasa, um, going into areas that are either unreached or semi-unreached. Um, difficult areas to get into. Um, the team just a couple of weeks ago went into the area that's close to South Sudan. That's the world's youngest nation there's insecurity issues and different things going on there but um we know the only way to get darkness out is to get the light in yep come on and when you don't always focus so much on trying to get the darkness out uh, spend more time and effort in uh, uh, effort on getting the light in which is what our team did sharing the gospel with various ones uh we we did see 350 people born again we're seeing people healed in their bodies i mean we're seeing all kinds of things. Um, I mean, in the Congo, we're seeing results, businesses getting started, churches getting started. Uh, it, it's, it's real simple. It's, it's not that difficult. Just focus on getting the light in there, and um, yeah. and things will t- start turning around. And, that, and that's the got to be the future of, of definitely the nation that I live in here in the good old USA is this, this movement towards, oh, this is a problem. The, everything needs to go to the White House down. You know, uh, every, the the president needs to mm-hmm. save the everything has to be federal. The federal government, you know, needs to fix this. And everything that was structured to be my problem first would be in my my county, my city, you know, my my area, my state. And then, I mean, theoretically, yes, things can go up to a, a federal level. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, if you scale that back down to its to its to the seed, the seeds inside my heart. Mm-hmm. You know, the the. The, the real solution to my world getting better is my heart getting better. Mm-hmm. You know, me having more love in my marriage for my children, for my neighbor, for even, you know, just, just for the, the tasks that I put my hand to everything I do is as a worship to the Lord. Like that, that is the fix is, is yeah, on the know, individual basis. Said this, that uh, if you want to go change the world, that's great. But, 
go home and love your family. Yeah. And that's really where it needs to start. You know, in the Garden of Eden, uh, we didn't have government. We didn't have churches. We didn't have hospitals. We had two institutions. It was the institution of marriage, mm-hmm. leave and cleave. That's in the Garden of Eden. Mm-hmm. And uh, God placed the man in the garden to work it and to till it. So, so the institutions of work and family, those are the cornerstones of any society. And if you want to fix a society, you got to start with the cornerstones. And the cornerstone is not in Washington, D.C. It's, it's not a king or a president or any of that. Thank God for that. We do need authority. We need, need good people there. But you need a grassroots movement where you build good families good work ethics, and that's how you build a society. I love it. Okay, so people go to safarimission.org. When you go there, Vidar has a book, which we highly recommend. Um, And you can get the book there, A Fork in the Road. Um, You can download it for free, uh, which is absolutely amazing. He's giving it away. Uh, They can also get a hard copy. Is that right, Vidar, from there as well? You can order a hard copy. You can download a PDF of the book for free. It, it's basically principles, day-to-day habits on how to get out of the rat race. We've had lots of people start businesses, uh, grow financially, grow economically, uh, get off of me-centristic type mentalities and, and start doing something for society, start to become producers. And we know that uh, we're, in, we're in the mindset of blessing other people. We'd be blessed our, ourselves as well. So... Great, great principles helping a lot of people there. Uh, a fork in the road, poverty or prosperity, that's our choice. I love it. You can also donate uh, to the ministry there at safarimission.org. Uh, and then as we close out uh, this interview today, set up, we have a, a video we're going to play. So set that up for our flyover family, what they're going to see. Vidar, what will they see in the video? This is just what we have done uh, the last uh, last few weeks. There is uh, footage from the Congo. There is footage from the border area to South Sudan. Uh, just hardship areas where, where you see uh, some of the things that uh, if you get involved with Safari Mission, this is what you're getting involved with. So just, just a lot of good footage. Well, we'll, I love it. We'll, we'll end with that. Uh, Vidar, thank you again for coming on. And, and again, Flyover family, uh, if, if, if you are in a position then you you know you want to give into a ministry in a place that you can't go yourself mm-hmm. this is one that actually changes the trajectory of people's lives by teaching kingdom principles helping them start small businesses helping them you know to get involved in activities that actually reverse multi-generational poverty in a in a powerful way we'll play the video vidar thank you so much for coming on this is vidar Ligard. i'm coming to you from nairobi kenya in east africa just want to give an update. I want to thank you so much for your involvement and your help that you're doing with us uh, every month. There is a lot of things going on. Next week, we have 33 students that are going to Turkana. That is on the South Sudan border, the youngest country on earth. Uh, 33 of them are going to a semi-unreached area. They're doing children's evangelism, uh, outreaches. Uh, last time we had an outreach like this is a couple of months ago. 350 people were saved in that outreach. Here at this set, uh, we just recorded a podcast, uh, How to Start a Chicken Farm. We're helping people become entrepreneurs, combining the gospel with entrepreneurship so that they can have sustenance and increase their standard of uh, living here in East Africa. Lots of other things going on. Uh, Twice we are on the radio in the Congo. We are reaching three million people by radio, half hour program, twice a week, 
Churches are started, churches are growing, businesses are started, all kinds of just amazing, amazing stories. We have 190 students in Bible college right now. Uh, they will go out together with the 500 other graduates to start other churches. And also, we are working with the high court in Kenya, and we are providing spiritual guidance, teaching, and different things for the high judges uh, here in the nation of Kenya. In a couple of weeks' time, we will also go to Kibera. Kibera is Africa's largest slum. So when you help Safari Mission, you're helping people in the slum, you're helping through radio, you're raising a Bible college students, and you're also helping the elite in the country, the, the high court judges, uh, all of the spread of society is being helped as you're helping Safari Mission. So we want to thank you so much and let you know there is a lot of great testimony and there are great things happening here in East Africa. God bless. Most architects and engineers know nothing about the third worst structural failure in modern history. This does not happen by office fires. The collapse of World Trade Center 7 was primarily due to fire. Not one of them has ever collapsed, not even these after 9-11. What buildings have come down like this? Controlled demolition. We did not find any evidence that explosives were used. You heard explosions. Big explosion. Just seen a big flash. Like a boom. We have more information of bombs, like an explosion. Office fires don't melt steel. So what's going on here? Is there enough to warrant an investigation? All right, let's get our stuff together here. Hi. I'm David Whited. <laughs> if we can skip the hi, my name's David Bird, because that's where I got a tend to derail. Hi. <laughs> but I did good. See, look. First thing it says. Say your name. Say your name, David Whited. <laughs> Have you been wondering what to do with the spare time you have on Saturday mornings? Have I got a way for you to fill that time? Not cleaning your garage, folding your laundry, or doing something with yourself. Filling your head with worthless information about what may or may not have happened 5,000 years ago. Have you ever wondered about ancient civilizations or about chemtrails in the sky? Or have you ever had a friend at, at school talk to you about... Friend at school. <laughs> <laughs> Some days when you're sitting there with your lunch pail and you're talking to your friends at school, they, they bring up your flat earth and you think it's a flat earth. I don't know if your flat earth is flat or not. I don't know. Alligators are angry because they got all those teeth and no toothbrush. And it's all true. And we talk about it every Saturday. <laughs> we talk about Rubik's Cubes and stuff. We like to have conversations with people that have made documentaries, written books. Oh, this is terrible. I can like feel myself hating watching this later. Okay, give me a swoosh. Let's do this thing for real this time. I got a show for you. <laughs> my, my, hang on, my, my eyes red now. You won't be able to tell in there. Peter can fix it. He can run it through a filter. Can he run it through the Brad Pitt filter and get rid of the, my red eyes? Oh, I'm probably doing the world a disservice. Hello, Flash. 
Flyover family. Join me every Wednesday for the Prophetic Report at 1111 Central. You can find it on Rumble. You can find it on the Flyover app. We have such an incredible time of hearing from all of these different prophetic voices like Robin Bullock, Julie Green, Barry Wunsch, Amanda Grace, and Hank Kuhneman. Every week, it's either five or six different prophets that are speaking. And what's interesting is God is speaking through them. And all of these voices come together like puzzle pieces. It is so exciting to hear what the Lord is saying. We're hearing from medical. We're hearing from military intelligence. We're hearing from the financial world. We're hearing from mainstream media. But the most important is, what is God saying? He has not fallen off the throne. He's not nervous. He's not chewing his nails. He is in control. He has plans to prosper us and not to harm us. What a great time to be alive. And I'm so excited for you to join me every Wednesday at 1111. For more great content, go to flyoverconservatives.com.